I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before we kick off this month's story, I just want to let everyone know that I'm running a competition to win one of two movement watches. Movement watches are pretty flash and these ones that I've got are valued at about 150 bucks Australian each. Now all you've got to do is go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash human ordinary podcast, like it, and then share a post. That's pretty much it. Please make sure that you tag the human ordinary Facebook page in the post so I know that you've done it. And I'll pick someone at random before we release the next episode. Cool. Here's the story. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. At the end of year 10, I got caught into the career counsellor's office. She told me that there had been a subject clash with two of my electives I had chosen for the next year. It was impossible for me to do both psychology and legal studies because they had both been scheduled for the same day and time. I would have to drop one and choose something else, and I had to decide right then and there. So I quickly considered my options and decided that legal studies would be the one to go. It didn't interest me as much as psychology, So out to the wolves it went. And then I replaced it with drama. Now, this wasn't completely from left field. I had enjoyed performing as a kid. You know, I was something of an extrovert and had an interest in literature and other arty-farty pursuits. And I saw it as something I could put up with and perhaps do well, at least for the next year until I had a chance to choose electives again before the start of year 12. But then when classes started the next year, I quickly realised that I loved drama, like seriously loved it. We went to theatre performances, came up with characters to play around with, wrote little scenes, had a heap of fun. At some point during the year, I got myself a talent agent, which then led to some extra work and bit parts on a TV show and an American miniseries. Actually, Charlie from Tofop, which is another podcast on the Planet Broadcasting Network, he was in a scene with me on this miniseries. We were naughty sailors getting kicked off a submarine by Amand de Sante. It was fun. It was different. But I got bored of it pretty quickly. Discovered that I preferred to be on the other side of the camera. So I went to uni and studied professional writing. I won a script writing competition, edited my uni's magazine, wrote for a street press, got to interview actors and filmmakers, review gigs and CDs. I worked on short films and music videos and a feature film with Heath Ledger. Of course, it didn't last. I've spoken elsewhere about how my creative pursuits eventually petered out, but they did come back 15 years later in the form of this podcast. And I like to think that all of it, all of those experiences, and even what you're listening to right now, is somehow the result of that subject clash 23 years ago. Something unplanned threw a spanner in the works and shot me off on a different path. I was sitting in the lounge room watching my daughter play on the floor. It was three weeks before Christmas in 
2016. And she stopped mid-play and looked at me and said, Mum, your brain is going to explode and you're going to die in three weeks. She sort of has this extrasensory perception and comes out with really unusual, insightful, wise things for her age. And um, this was one of them. Renee Gardner is 33 years old and was born and raised on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Growing up, her parents owned an antique store, so her and her two sisters would get dragged around to auctions and estate sales. In her teens, she had a job in a shoe store, and most of her money would go to buying books about astrology and spirituality. Books about energy healing and traditional Chinese medicine and feng shui and all these ancient knowledge systems. After high school, she studied archaeology at uni and then moved out west to Perth to be with her boyfriend. There, Renee started up her own archaeology consultancy business. Unfortunately, Renee says archaeology is nothing like Indiana Jones. Or at least she thinks so. I have never actually watched Indiana Jones. <laughs> I know, right? But what I have watched and loved is Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. I think I really identified with the archetype of her character. You know, she's fierce and determined and wants to know more and to help people in the world. And um, for me, that's sort of how I see myself, whether it's me in real life, I don't know. You know, when I moved to Perth, I felt increasingly isolated. And so my solution to that was to go exploring even further beyond my homeland. And I found an archaeological project in Bulgaria that I could work on for a couple of weeks. And then, about one week into the trip, she's on her way to the site. And I was walking through the dirt streets and I started hearing these noises behind me as dogs barking and then they got louder and louder and I sort of turned a corner and before I knew it, I had three dogs upon me and my back was pushed up against the wall of a, a house and they were standing there snarling, barking and I thought, I'm going to be bitten at any moment. And then I just had this thought, it was take your backpack off and hit them. And so I did. I took my backpack off. It had a really heavy camera in it. And I just hit them over the head with my backpack. And it was like dominoes. It went bang, bang, bang. And then they, they sort of were in shock. And so I bolted again down the street. And I got to the, um, the headquarters and I ran through the gate. And when I arrived, the project leader came up to me and said, you know, Renee, you've got a phone call from home and I don't think it's good news. And then I waited for the call to come through again. My dad was trying to call. And then he told me, I'm sorry, but your mum's no longer with us. And I walked outside on the phone and I, again, I had my back up against the wall and this time I just slid down it and started crying. She hadn't been well for a period of time and she'd called me about a week before I left and we spoke about me going away and she said to me, Renee, you go and live your life and you have a great life. And I thought that was really weird at the time, but I let it pass. It was obvious now that she was actually saying goodbye. When I came back to Perth, 
I sort of thought, well, what do I do now with my life? And then I thought, well, I'll throw myself into my work and into my business and consulting work started flowing. For the next two years, that's what she did. Along the way, she married a boyfriend and then the woman who just lost her mother became one herself. My daughter, Maya, she came out on archaeology projects with me. She came on surveys and I'd wear her in a baby carrier on, on the front of me. And, but my ability to travel was just increasingly limited and it became obvious to me that it wasn't totally compatible, that way of living with a child and working with a child. Just It wasn't compatible and I, I actually started not enjoying it at all. And so I had this a huge identity crisis and honestly I wasn't coping particularly well at the time um, because so much of my identity was tied to my work and uh, you know my perceived contribution that I made to the world <laughs> as as odd as it is you know you give birth and you create this new life and in order to do so other parts have to leave at least that's how I felt at the time any parent listening may be nodding their head right now for me becoming a dad was such a life-changing event that it was like my entire life had been overhauled my kids have become the central point around which most of my life now revolves. Work is just something I do to provide for them. My leisure time is now kid-friendly activities like zoo visits and indoor trampoline centres. And sleepy time and my social life are pretty much non-existent. Life after is kind of unrecognisable to life before kids. And it's in that overhaul and transition that reinvention can occur. For Renee... The new version of herself was one that was committed to supporting others. And so I set up an organisation that was a, a not-for-profit social enterprise called Growing Change. And the aim of that was to support and connect people in the community through growing food and selling the vegetables to local restaurants. Growing Change operated a market garden that was linked in with mental health and other social services. Renee was interested in business as a mechanism for social change, and she saw an opportunity to approach mental health service delivery in a novel way. Growing change was really popular. A newspaper in Perth did a story on Renee in the garden, and in the photo, Renee has this sensible sun hat on as she holds something freshly pulled out of the earth. She has a broad grin and looks really happy. But... The reality was something different. I was absolutely running on below empty. <laughs> Not even the fumes of life were sustaining me. I was so stressed. I was really unwell. I had chronic chest infections for the whole year. You know, my personal life felt like it was falling apart. I was barely seeing my daughter. She was really angry at me all the time. On the outside, everything looked really nice and shiny, like most businesses and organisations and kind of underlying all of that was this internal feeling I had about things not working out and I was feeling internally personally anything but successful and I think for me that was mostly because there was a part of myself that wasn't clicked on it, the focus was so external that I still had a lot of dot joining to do internally after the break a spanner gets thrown into the works, which ultimately leads Renee down a different path. It was Christmas of 2016, 
and Renee's uncle was quite sick and in hospital. She and her extended family decided to have Christmas together at his house on the Sunshine Coast. Andy came home to spend the time surrounded by those he loved. He would pass away soon after New Year's. So I woke up on the morning of Christmas Eve. My daughter came in. She was hungry, so walked downstairs to the kitchen and I got some bread out of the freezer and put it in the toaster. And as I pushed the button down, I went completely blind. A black curtain rolled across my whole vision from the upper left right down to the right. And then within 30 seconds, there was luminous white, sparkly light, like nothing I'd seen before. I had the most intense pain shoot through my skull, like nothing I have ever experienced. And I've suffered from migraines most of my life. It felt like a skewer was being inserted through my brain. Like it, it was like I was struck by lightning and I cupped my hands across both eyes and walked out to the lounge room where my sisters were sleeping and one of them sort of woke up and said are you okay and I said no I can't see and I was helped back up the stairs to bed and I lay down and then before I knew it I found myself in the toilet vomiting and then I crawled into the shower I think on my hands and knees and just let the water run over me and started sobbing thinking I don't know what this is but this is this feels really really wrong her husband pulled her out of the shower and took her to the emergency department she started to lose feeling in her limbs and a nurse tried to help her walk but her legs collapsed beneath her she was given migraine medicine to deal with her headache but after two doses it barely made a difference weird sensations started shooting through her body she felt like lava was flowing through her insides and her eyes stung from a light sensitivity she had no idea could be that intense. The doctors feared a stroke, but soon ruled that out. They then struggled to come up with any other answers. I started to feel like I wasn't safe at all and I also felt like they didn't know what they were doing. I knew in myself there was something really not right. So she went back to her uncle's place to at least try and enjoy Christmas. And I was... <laughs> sitting at the, the Christmas table and I, you know, I could barely contribute to anything. I couldn't see very well. Everything was so overwhelmingly bright and I, I was photosensitive so I was wearing sunglasses at the Christmas table and it felt like my brain was expanding and, and contracting inside my skull. It was like my skull was, I don't know how to describe it, it was like my, my brain and it, all the sensation was on the outside of my head. And then it would kind of go inside my head and I'd just feel all this really weird movement around my brain. And I started feeling more unusual sensations in my body. So like this popping and buzzing sensation and increasing heat that was sort of rising up through my body. But I started developing vertigo. It felt like I was falling into the earth. It was really unsettling. And I couldn't sleep at all. Six days passed and the headache hadn't gone away. Renee still couldn't see properly and her body felt otherworldly with parts pulsating numbness. And I went and got a scan. I got an MRI and I got a call back from the doctor saying you need to go straight to emergency because there's abnormalities that have shown up on your scan. 
And then I was admitted to the neurological ward and I stayed there for another six days over the new year. And I had about eight neurologists see me over that time and it was really hard to get a diagnosis and I had blood. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tests and I had scans and I had um, people poking and prodding me and getting me to walk in straight lines and can I stand on one foot? The eight neurologists sent her off for a routine heart scan. The results weren't revealed to her, but she did overhear two of them talking in the hallway one morning on their rounds. She heard them mention something about a shunt. And I, I said, what is a shunt? And they said, oh, it just means the blood's flowing the wrong way. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not connected to what's happened with your brain. I, you know, again, instinctively knew that there was more to this. I didn't trust the doctors. I didn't trust their level of care. It wasn't humanised in any way. You know, I had a neurologist come in. He had his team of training doctors behind him. And he just opened his bag on the side of my bed, pulled out a pen, pin and stabbed me in the leg. And I just went, ow. And he said, oh, yeah, perfect function there, no problem. And I just felt like it was all very removed from me as a person and what was going on for me and my well-being. And it's like, have a pill for this, do a test for that, come and stab you with this, but we're not going to include you in the process and for you to be an active participant in the decisions that are affecting your health and your life. So it just felt so rubbish because health is way more than just about what's happening to you physically. It's about your whole life and your whole being, your mental, emotional, physical and spiritual being, not just your physical body. Sometimes, the eight neurologists would suggest that it was all in her head, as if she could somehow have conjured up the abnormalities that appeared on her MRI. But I was later diagnosed with a condition that was a temporary and reversible spasming of the blood vessels in my brain. And it was thought that the spasming of my brain had caused a stroke-like episode. So Renee leaves the hospital, but she can't fly back to Perth as the neurologists aren't sure if it's entirely safe for her. It would be six weeks until she was finally cleared to fly, and in that time, a growing fear filled her. It just had such a hold on me that I couldn't think. Like, I was paralysed by it almost. It was just, I was in this frozen state. Her cousin suggested she visit an etheric healer who treats patients with energy and vibration. Renee had always been open to such things, so she went along. And I started telling him about my brain and I told him about my physical health stuff, my health history. And then I went and laid on his treatment table and he started doing muscle testing on me. After running some tests that I don't fully understand, Renee's healer diagnosed her as being gripped by terror. Like this complete and utter state of terror. I was like shell-shocked from what my experience of being in hospital and not knowing what was happening and 
facing life and death. I was just so overwhelmed by terror that I was paralyzed. And so he did some energy healing on me and I felt like just this massive weight come off of me. It was phenomenal. I just felt so light and free after that. And it just really opened my eyes up again to there being more to health and to medicine and to life than just what we see physically. It's really interesting. I actually had more trust and faith in him and his ability to diagnose things that were real for me in my life and what I was feeling than I did in a team of eight-year-olds just trying to diagnose a physical condition. And I know that seems really odd, but it just felt so right. It felt to be a truth. And so Renee flew back to Perth. Her condition never really worsened, but it never really went away either. I was in an ambulance again twice because I nearly passed out or I had another attack. It it was just this onset of symptoms again. And um, again, I'd go into the neurological ward or into emergency department and be sent home saying, well, we can't find anything else that's wrong with you. Like, how can we be so advanced in our understanding of medicine and still not know so much? And although she couldn't have certainty and control over her health, Renee did slowly begin to wrest power back over the rest of her life, reinventing herself into another version she felt was more true. I changed my diet. I, I tried to start exercising, but I couldn't. I could barely walk five metres without wanting to fall over. She left Growing Change, the social enterprise farm she had established. So I couldn't work. You know, I wasn't able to. I was partially blind. I could barely look at a computer. I could hardly walk. I couldn't think straight. My thoughts were all scattered. It was, wasn't possible for me to still be involved. And you know, my husband and I decided to separate um, during that time. You know, And often when big things happen, they can bring people closer together. But I think in our circumstance, it was more of making a decision about what really aligned to each of us and our own well-being going forward for whatever period of time that might be. Only a few months before, Renee had been a successful social entrepreneur, married and relatively healthy. Then the unexpected spanner flew in and she was suddenly none of those things. Plus, she needed to find somewhere new to live. Sick, single mum, no income, applying for welfare. <laughs> yeah, it's like looking for a place, but trust me, I've got this, right? Um, yeah, I... I had no certainty about my income. I had no family in Perth. I became a single parent, which was really, really hard because I'd never wanted my child to grow up with her parents separated and living apart. And she was really angry at me because she felt this increasing sense of disconnection with me because I was so disconnected from myself and to be honest I actually actively chose to to disconnect from her emotionally because I thought that if I am going to die then she needs to form a closer relationship with her dad she thought that I didn't love her anymore and she asked me one day we were driving along and she said mommy do you hate me and I said no darling I love you she said I thought you never wanted me around 
and it was the furthest thing from what was true. But I can see how she felt that. In the midst of everything that was happening in her personal life, the minor problem with her heart the eight neurologists had discovered still played on her mind. So she consulted a cardiologist who told her that she would need surgery to repair a huge and unusual hole in her heart. They say that the five most stressful things that can happen are moving house, you know, relationship breakup, a loved one dying, losing your job, and major illness. And I experienced all of those within a three-month period. And it was, it was so overwhelming. But, you know, I felt like I was just a goalie standing in the soccer nets uh, trying to keep the balls out it was more like next 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 move 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 and even when I was told that I needed to have open heart surgery I was like no you've got this you've totally got this you can do it this is it's all going to be fine I trust that it's all going to be fine because I know that there's something bigger playing out and I just can't see it right now but I know it will all be fine and that positivity just stayed with me I mean what's the worst that could happen I could die (laughs) right? But I had a chance to live and I wanted to live feeling like the best version of myself in that time. Renee reconnected with her spirituality and all those interests she'd had as a teenager. She found some research from the States showing positive impacts of energy treatment on heart patients. So she went and had energy healing in the lead up to her surgery. I developed my own toolkit for getting through this, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, incorporating affirmations into my healing, feeling different energy coming through my body, visualising different colours. And I think I can only say what I feel worked, but I know that there's something really amazing that can be gained from an integrated approach to wellness and to health. She studied to become a Reiki practitioner and took on clients of her own. Her cup was beginning to fill up, so she cautiously felt capable of helping others fill theirs. And then, Renee Gardner died. Well, kind of. Yeah, my heart was stopped for the operation for about 20 minutes and I was connected to a heart-lung machine that did the job of breathing for me and pumping blood all through my body while they went in and patched up this one inch sized hole and I was sewn up the hole was sewn up with fishing line (laughs) some of her family flew in to be with her and were there when she woke up I was vomiting blood part of my lung was collapsed I couldn't breathe on my own I still had tubes down my throat my blood pressure was actually dropping quite significantly it went really low but when all the tubes were taken out and I was finally able to breathe on my own I sat up on the bed and my sisters were standing at the end of the bed and I said to them well heart surgery is so much fun and then I passed out again it's been nearly a year since the surgery and Renee says that despite being able to find the funny side in everything that's happened It's been a difficult emotional and mental journey. She still has no real answers about what happened to her at Christmas in 2016, but feels it not necessary to discover the truth about her health problems in order to unearth the truth about herself. 
I think the practice of archaeology now is something that I actually live and I've spent a huge amount of time over the last year and a half particularly looking at excavating pieces within myself and becoming an archaeologist of my own life. What I now feel is part of my mission and purpose and path in life is to look at how we can embed mind-body healing which incorporates energy healing into mainstream medicine. I, I, I know that there are a whole heap of factors in my life that came together to create a massive awakening in me. What it looks like in a year's time, I don't know, but I know the first steps and that's all we need to know is the first step and then the next will be revealed and then the next will be revealed. And so it'll follow. Like me, the truth about who Renee is was there all along. In my early years, I was an extroverted kid, performing for family, playing the jester. I remember I used to write these little books, just pieces of folded paper where I would write a story, either one I had made up or stolen from somewhere. This was a part of me that I'd almost forgot, until a subject clash pushed me back on track. Renee's subject clash was a little more serious, a little more life-changing, but it still served to turn her attentions back in the direction from where she'd come. The interest she'd gravitated towards as a teenager, unbound by an adult's pragmatic and rational point of view, were more reflective of the real Renee than anything that would come later. Perhaps that's true for lots of us, our true selves revealed innocently in our youth before being overshadowed, until a subject clash or a mysterious life-threatening illness suddenly helps wake us up to where we should be. Once you completely kind of cut everything out and you start from scratch again, you're left with those very core aspects of who you are as a human. And for me, my intuition became really heightened and it's become my main navigational tool. So I don't push as much as I used to. I don't necessarily use purely my logical brain anymore. I make decisions more based on gut and feeling than I did previously. And I try and take more centered approach with both of those things. Yeah, I guess that's it. My thanks to Renee Gardner for her story. This one's been a long time coming. I first spoke to Renee in September of last year. I thank her for her patience and her perseverance. Also special thanks to Sean Jeffrey for helping me get the recording and Layla Brook for support and quality control. The Human Ordinary podcast is produced in Melbourne by me, Sam Lloyd. All original music is by Kent Sutherland. The Human Ordinary podcast is a proud member of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Also the home of other great shows like this one, Do Go On. Hi, I'm Dave. I'm Jess. And I'm Matt. And together we are the Do Go On podcast. Jess, what the hell does that mean? Well, it means that each week one of us presents a report on a topic suggested by a listener. It can be a person, a place, a thing, a time in history, a feeling. We haven't done any on feelings, but (laughs) I'm not ruling it out. (laughs) Hey, we could anytime soon. Now, Matt. Where do you suggest these kind folks start? I think if they're Planet Broadcasting fans, maybe a great spot to start would be Mr. Sunday Movies episode about Star Wars history or maybe even Meso, a.k.a. Uh, the internet celebrity Nick Mason mm. and his episode about the Marvel Universe and its history. It was a bloody good one. Bloody ripper. 
Now, if any of this sounds at all of interest to you, you can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or of course, planetbroadcasting.com. If you want to learn more about the Human Ordinary podcast, just head to the website, humanordinary.com. If you want to tell a friend about the show, then direct them to the website as well, where they can listen to all of the episodes. You can also like the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash human ordinary podcast. And don't forget that competition to win a movement watch. Anyway, thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want, it's up to you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.